0: Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 Turkey Vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com. The Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community. From legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to the modern day hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey stick around it's going to be a great show all right guys welcome back we're here with another episode of limb hanger just two of us here tonight uh adam and myself joey uh parker is doing family night from what i hear he's hanging out with his wife and kids he's been on the road a lot they've been on the road (laughs) so i guess they're finally coming together tonight uh matt's out tonight so just the last two Last two amigos here, and uh I'm still the only one that hadn't been turkey hunting yet. So, there's still that. Sad day.
1: The Tennessee team here. Team Tennessee,
0: I guess. I'm the last of the Mohicans. I have heard some goblin turkeys in the last week, though. So, I got that going for me. I ain't totally skunked. Uh, I think
1: things this weekend will get you really heated up. Oh, it's supposed to be
0: good, too. You know, it's been hot the last couple days. And I went out listening. Today's Wednesday. I went out listening Monday and Tuesday morning. And I didn't hear a thing. I think it was just warm, it was overcast. Some stuff, you know. we had a couple little fronts moving in, I think, so the conditions just weren't right for goblin. Uh, But let's see, when was it? Saturday, I heard a lot of goblin. I forget
1: the temperature. It was a little cool, but it was clear. Man, it was lighting it up. And this week, the weekend forecast looks a lot of the same, kind of like it did Saturday. So mm-hmm. I think Saturday and Sunday, both should be banger days. Now they do have some rain in the forecast on Saturday morning. I think they changed that, which I don't know if it's going to be Saturday morning or what time Saturday, but I think there's about a 30% chance now. Yeah. That's a percentage where they don't really know what's
0: going to happen. Yeah. It could be could or couldn't happen. It could be could Wait till lunch. Could be that afternoon. They just know it might rain somewhere, possibly that day somewhere. I yeah, think that's it's pretty about low that, about that amounts too, but yeah, exciting things on the horizon. Uh, We've had some exciting things behind us. Parker's laid a couple birds down. Matt's laid a couple birds down. Uh, you went on a trip uh, and got a
1: bird. Just yep. one, Did you just get one on that trip? I did. I got my first okay. Rio on that trip. I yep. ended up calling up a bird for another buddy, and yeah. he ended up slinging, slinging at one at a chip shot and missed. So <laughs> that, that stunk for him. But I was also, in the back of my mind, I was like, hmm. I could have been bird number two because <laughs> I am the guy that says, you know, it's, it's all about me. I'm the narcissist turkey hunter. <laughs> hey, I'll say this, man. I thought about you during that hunt because that was, uh, you know, I've taken my kids, called up, you know, turkeys for my oldest. He's missed a few, killed one. Um, And every time I've loved that. Like, that's just been like an experience of a lifetime. Usually when I'm hunting with other guys, like I said, I just, I like to pull the trigger. I, I something about it. <laughs> But this uh, this guy, he's never turkey hunted before. He's never hunted in his life. Like, I mean, he wow. shot guns, never hunted. Uh, and so for me, like getting to know him a little bit better on this trip, you know, we weren't that close or whatever, but getting to know him through that and then watching him progress as like, hey, I'm totally new to this, to having not only one gobbler coming in, but we had gobblers on two both sides coming in. And getting to see kind of his reaction to that and then shooting, I could tell he went from being someone that probably didn't care that much about turkey hunting to, all right, we're we're going to get this done. So <laughs> that was fun to watch that transition. I really had a good time doing that. That is awesome. And, the, man, those Rios
0: will spoil you. And <laughs> the fact that that was his first turkey
1: and he had, how many did you say he had coming in? Two like- at the same time, but on Two. different directions. Like literally, oh. like they were they were both running at the same time. And they were running down two roads, and we we're like in the middle of like cactus and brush.
0: They were converging on y'all.
1: That's what they were doing. The Golly. the one that ended up popping out is not the one that we expected. We thought he was still hanging back because we could see him and we couldn't see the other one. He came around on a different side, and man, he's just gobbling, go go, just coming down that road. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, he's pr- approaching and coming, and then all of a sudden, the one that we thought was way off, boom, gobbles hard, and I'm like he's on top of us. And he's like, yep. And I look over my shoulder. He's like, I said, shoot, man, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) So it
0: was fun. And I can't wait to get back after him. If all, if everything falls into place, I'll be in Oklahoma, uh, into April that last week for a handful of days. So I'm hoping to get, get back after him. I've only hunted Rios at one time and it was in, it was in Oklahoma in a different area that I'll be at, but oh, they were, they're so much fun. And I, the more, that I remember those hunts, and the more I hear about your hunts, and you know Parker's Rio hunt from Texas, and I watch other Rio hunts, I, I miss them so much. I love hunting Miriams, just for the fact you know they like to gobble a lot too, and the scenery is gorgeous. But more and more, I love the way a Rio acts because they've come just storming in. And I had that one in Oklahoma quick story uh, when we were out there in 2020. I had one. If I didn't see it with my own eyes, I never would have believed it if somebody told me that it happened. That bird pitched off that bluff and flew like 100 yards in my direction. I never would have believed it in 100 years that that happened. Like if somebody was telling me, if, yeah. like if you were telling me that story, you know, there'd be something in the back of my head like, oh, you know, maybe he's telling a, telling a good hunting Stretching. Yeah. But let me tell you, I swear, swear on my children, that thing pitched off a rock bluff and flew Ooh. towards me got and he like gobbled before he pitched off he gobbled when he hit the ground he just i mean he just kept it and now i've, I've just missed it even more and more over the last year or so mm. um but yeah so um yeah what we're going to talk about tonight you know kind of going back to your uh your rio story that was an outfitted hunt yep. um and that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight um uh, why you should or maybe shouldn't go on an outfitter where you might should go on an outfitted hunt uh questions you should ask or questions you should ask and uh all kinds of other stuff so I don't know what do we need to start with like do we need to start with the scenario of when you should decide to go on an outfitted hunt let's start there like different species and states yeah and I think you know, a couple of the popular ones that I think of when I think of um more of us more of a necessity to go on an outfitted hunt Osceolas come to mind because there's yep. only one place to do it uh the Goulds turkey down in Mexico um and then probably you know Miriam's Rios and I think Easterns maybe to me they're kind of at the bottom yeah. of the list yeah Unless I don't know, I'm trying to think of a situation where I would go on an outfitted eastern hunt. Maybe if I think maybe if it was just like bachelor party or yeah, some kind of some group of guys or some group of folks that just wanted to go hang out, low key, high success or high probable success.
1: Um, I got you fun. one. I got you a reason I won't go. Okay, go. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, if I wanted to go, uh, I, I was thinking of. Hunting with someone to learn from specifically, and there is an outfitter, uh, Bent Creek Lodge. Lodge, I think it's what it is, in Alabama. And I'm, yeah. Now that I just said that, I can't, I forgot the guy's name that guides there. It's not Eddie Salter. um It's one of those big name turkey hunters, and he guides there. I think I know who you're talking about. Walker, and is it Bob, Bob Walker? I think it's Bob Walker. If that name sounds really familiar, and that that may be right. But either way, that that lodge is known to have like just top of the line elite gods. And I was thinking, man, if I just wanted to go and tag along with somebody like a, you wouldn't normally get to hunt with it's like a Dave Owens, right? Like a, that yeah. caliber of a Turkey hunter just to learn from, but I'm willing to pay and that'll pay dividends the rest of my life. And maybe generations to come, if I can produce Turkey hunters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I would, I would be willing to make that sacrifice and pay that, right. Pay that price. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: yeah. I can see that. Man. I can see that. Um, because and especially if you were if you weren't familiar with that subspecies. Yep. Like when I think of uh if I was gonna go on a guided hunt for osceolas, I think Doc Weddle does guided hunts for osceolas or he does something with an outfitter for guided hunts for osceolas. And I think they do some of that on public land. Hmm. Now I would might be inclined to do something like that. Yeah. You know, a public land guided Osceola hunt where you are going to have to be a sponge to absorb all that information from somebody, especially if it was from somebody like doc who sent it for what'd we say in the last couple of podcasts, decades upon decades with multiple us super slams. And he's not slowing down much from what I, from what I see every, you know, every year he still, he pops up in the springtime and he's got a pile of turkeys across that feed. So yeah, I would be inclined to, to go on a guided osceola
1: hunt on public land that would it, be that'd be my thing i bet there's some listeners out there uh i mean i looking at me and like the things that kind of hit the fear factor like a big old cotton mouse or alligators i think about that now i've hunted florida swamps and the nastiest stuff on public land but i also went on an outfitted hunt and hunted the same kind of crap but I would suggest that if someone's like, OK, it's hard to go find an Osceola on public land because I know it's going to be a challenge, both from the habitat and just like uh, probably pressure. If I wanted to to find an outfitter that's hunting like clean orange groves, cattle pastures, and is like I don't have to get my feet too wet, you know what, sometimes maybe just go ahead and schedule that sucker. I don't think there's anything wrong Mm -hmm. with it. Cause I'll tell you, I went with that outfit, that outfitter in Florida last year and we went to the swamps and the nasties and man, we weren't hearing turkeys gobble. And there was another guy that was hunting a cattle pasture and dude, he's done with his hunt, like in a day, two days, right? He's done. Mm-hmm. And so I got a chance to go on that same cattle pasture area and I kill in 10 minutes. I was like, okay, yeah. this is not the same experience, but I got yeah. it done. Right. Uh, but if you're into that kind of thing, I mean, maybe on the, the Florida Osceola, you just go for, go for the outfitted hunt.
0: There, are, when I think of uh, whether or not somebody needs to go on an outfitted hunt, I think of like three factors. And that's time experience and money oh yeah if you if you have the time to devote to like a full week or something like that where you can grind it out and try to find birds and get on birds then yeah you can probably do diy if you have the experience you can go diy uh and if you don't have much money i mean obviously uh i mean going diy is going to be cheaper you know? supposedly i mean you could probably break it all down and okay, I'm, I'm buying fuel for truck, food, lodging, or just whatever. You yeah. might could make the argument that an outfitted hunt could be comparable, but I think generally speaking, we're pretty we're pretty confident in saying DIY is going to be cheaper. Now, if you yeah. don't have the experience and you don't have the time where you have a handful of days to want to kill a turkey and try to learn as much as you can, then yeah, go outfitted. Uh, and if you got the money to do it, go outfitted um turkey i think turkey hunts aren't as expensive they're certainly not as expensive as big game outfitted hunts no. and i think the price or the fear of the price is just intimidating to people um because what are osceola hunts going now they're i see some of them come across like 2500 bucks for yeah. a osceola uh now i don't know any of the anything about the outfitters down there or what the facilities are and success rates or anything like that, but I'll go ahead and tell you my ghoul's hunt in Mexico was $27.50. And what was really good about that is I, I went with J. Scott. A lot of people know about J. Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid half up front, which was my deposit, which was in 2021. So when I booked it, I paid half up front. So it was $13.25, my math is right. Yeah somewhere around in there oh, close Got a little in. over 1300 bucks so and then a year later when i went on the hunt i paid the other half so essentially i had i could have had two years to save up for this trip like imagine i don't know what like 12 you know, 13 25 divided into 12 what 100 bucks a month yeah 25 a little over 25 bucks a week that's very doable and then factor in, um, having to get out there. I know my situation is different. I travel a lot for work, get a lot of airline points. Didn't cost me anything to fly out there. Uh, rental car was cheap. Um, my buddy and I split the rental car, but still, I mean, if you've got, you've got plenty of time to save up for one of those hunts and people talk about someday, someday I'm gonna do that. Somebody, someday I'm gonna do this. When you find someday on the calendar, you let me know because someday it's gonna creep up on you, and someday you ain't gonna be in good enough shape to go on any of these sites. <laughs> yeah, I feel like flip on that. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think the price is intimidating to people, but it shouldn't be, and that's how I see it.
1: Let me ask Especially this about your uh, your gold hunt, man. Like you said, you rented a car. Did you have to drive into Mexico, and did they meet you, or how did that work out?
0: So the way it worked with Jay. So we met Jacob and I flew into Phoenix. Uh, we could have flew into Tucson, I think somewhere closer, but one, it was just easier to fly into Phoenix. Like we could get a nonstop into Phoenix and uh, it was actually cheaper. So we flew into Phoenix and just made the drive down to Douglas, Arizona, which is a little border town. And it was a sizable. I mean, there had plenty of hotels there and places to eat. It wasn't like a little, it was not sketch, you know, yeah. at least on our side of the fence, it wasn't sketch um and the guide uh jay didn't guide us he had some guides that worked for him um the guide met us there the night before we crossed the border and we stayed the night at the hotel and left our car there at the hotel for the duration of the hunt uh and it was fine and we just rode with the guide over into mexico and let me tell you it was I didn't show my passport to anybody until I crossed back into the United States. That's crazy. The, uh, the border guard for, uh, Mexico, he basically kind of stuck his head in the window, had a quick look around and just said, all right, let's go. Now he might've known the guide because they're in and out of there, you know, all the time, um, uh, because, uh, they were hunting. I think we hunted within a couple hours of that town, but, um, so they're probably in and out of there all the time. But still, it was just funny because they just waved us on through. And then uh, Jay has some contacts down there. Like there was some guy that lived in that uh, the town on the Mexico side, and Jay would keep all their guns and stuff stored there. So you would cross the border and you'd go directly into this little neighborhood to some random house and go in there, and they'd have their guns and because uh, we we would use their guns. You can take, you can take your own gun, but it's, there's so much paperwork. It's such a pain Mm. that we just borrowed their guns and they don't shoot junk guns. I mean, I think we shot like a, a tri 20 gauge with apex ammo with a red dot. I mean, they were good guns. So, but yeah, that was just, uh, that was just funny. Just we were in the middle of the street in Mexico in front of this house, putting guns in the truck and getting, uh, food and stuff for the handful of days that we were going to be hunting. And it was, uh, it was just weird just being down there and doing that.
1: How concerned were you for your safety while you're down there?
0: I wasn't now. I had been to Mexico several times for work mm-hmm. and oddly enough, I had been to more sketchy places for work than I was on this hunt trip because, you know, I work in the concrete industry. They don't put concrete plants in the good parts of town in Mexico. It, it's rough. Like I've been, I've been in places where I, I couldn't ride around with my window down because I get robbed at a stop sign. Um, now, at this place, in this little town, it wasn't that way. Uh, it was pretty safe. And then we drove a little over an hour, a couple hours maybe, to the ranch that we were going to be hunting at. And it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I never felt unsafe. I never came into contact with any sketchy characters while I was
1: down there. So you're telling me on my Texas hunt, I felt more unsafe than your on, me- on your Mexico hunt? <laughs> That's what it sounded like, man. You had the action,
0: like y'all. You had an episode of Cops from both sides of the fence. It sounds like,
1: <laughs> dude. It was so crazy. Um, we, I guess, it was like the first. The, the so it's gonna be like the morning of the second hunt. That night we had helicopters going over the place we we're staying all night. It's like whoom, whoa, just all night. We're like, what in the world's going on? So we wake up and the, the guides are telling us, yeah, you know, there's there's three different groups of drug smugglers on the ranch. That's the bad news. The good news is there's nowhere, they're nowhere near where you guys are hunting at, right? So we go on the you know, th- this hunt and they come to pick us up for breakfast. And dude, there's like border patrol everywhere i'm talking it's like a convoy it's like a military exercise out there there's two helicopters not only are they like on the ranch they're like all over like our lodge at this point like just sweeping back and forth and hovering hundreds of yards away Our guides are getting ar-15s and they're driving around <laughs> looking and uh come to find out there was one of those groups there was three guys in camouflage and one of them had a rifle and they were on the trail camera Close to the guys that we were hunting with, like I mean, there's only a creek that's running through there. They were on the same creek, so they think at some point those two those two groups, the hunters and the drug smugglers, had crossed paths. So I mean, obviously the drug smugglers aren't wanting to have an engagement with turkey hunters. They're just trying to get their drugs from point A to point B. Like they're not trying to probably hurt anybody at this point in time. No, but who knows, right? Uh, Still, just a crazy, crazy scenario. And I'm like texting you guys video and. (laughs) All that stuff. I don't know yeah, that, what we got into. That's wild,
0: my dad went bird hunting down in, I think it was Fear, Texas. And I'd, I'd have to look at a map to see exactly where it was at, but I'm confident it was really close to the border, someplace down there. And he was saying when it got getting to be sunset or whatever, he would see people crossing the road, you know, under the, trying to be under the cover of darkness, like be as inconspicuous as possible. Yeah. You know, they'd sneak back and forth across the road so it's uh long story short if you want some wild stories to tell afterwards book a gould or a or a rio trip somewhere <laughs> around the border um, and i guess a Osceola trip too because lord only knows what's going to happen in florida the the uh, the, yeah. the midwestern rios and uh and miriams probably have some more calm stories but
1: um will yeah. going back to your mexico trip just a second you even had issues now, did you, ha- I don't think you personally had issues, but some of the, your group had issues with either, uh, was it the meat? Or what was it getting back across the border? So, we could not bring the meat back across okay. the border.
0: That was, I guess, some kind of legal thing. Um, so, we gave, when we dressed the birds, we gave the meat to the ranch hands and you know, the locals there. So, they got eaten. Um, and we caped our turkeys out. Um uh, because all of us were going to mount our turkeys because when you go if you go down there one time you're going to mount that thing yeah um so we all caped them out and we had the fans and everything it was all nice in a little package uh wrapped it was in a gar- black garbage bag taped up and so when we got back through uh when we crossed the border uh us customs had to inspect everything sign off on paperwork match up everybody you know the whole the whole deal the issue came when we the issue came when we landed in Nashville. It was a it was myself and Jacob, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Jenkins and his son. And uh, Chris and his son had two birds apiece. So they had four birds, and Jacob and I had one apiece. So there were six birds or six bird capes in my uh, ninety quart cooler. And we were all taking them to uh John Beard at Birds Only Taxidermy here in Dixon. And uh, I told Chris and his son, like, hey, you know, I'll just take your birds. It's 30 minutes from my house. No big deal. Um, put some dry ice in the coolers, kept them getting cold. Um, and just declared, you know, just showed the the uh, Southwest uh, bag check uh, person there when we come in. Um, no issues there. We taped up the cooler so the lid wouldn't come off or fly open or just whatever. It was all in good shape. Well, we get in Nashville and I picked this cooler up. Uh, we had to, we had to go pick it up in oversized baggage, like off on the side there. And I pick his cooler up and I told Jacob, I said, this cooler is light. Ugh. And we open it up and there are two packages in there. Now I, I say Chris and his son had two birds. They had between the two birds of peace. I think they had one Cape and fan. I think, you know, knocked feathers off a of wand uh you know tail fan got messed up i forget but they kind of frankensteined two birds together you know from from the fore but anyway they were missing jacob's bird or jacob's package Yeah, jacob's package and chris's son's package now what was strange about that chris and i kept our birds you know they they returned our birds apparently chris and i's birds were sitting on top of that stack in that cooler. So they would have had to remove our birds to get to their birds and they somehow did not put their birds back in the cooler. I to this day I don't know. Um hmm. but anyway I, to make a long story short I traded a bunch of emails with Southwich uh you know baggage uh claims uh you know filed a claim uh filed a thing through TSA uh, and I'll be honest, you're kind of pissing up a rope trying to go through TSA because they uh, they didn't care they I, I don't think I got one returned correspondence from them at all. no phone call uh left. I don't know how many voicemails and I don't know how many emails, nothing. Southwest on the other on the other hand, um they were accommodating up to a point and this lady's I forget exactly what this lady said. I should have I should have pulled up the email. we jumped on here but the lady basically said that there wasn't really anything they could do and she tried to pull that off well i've flown for south flown with southwest for over a decade now and i've had the highest status they can have for at least eight of those years and i pulled that card you know i was that guy and i let them know i was like you know if, if you go back on my if you go back in my flight history i've taken you know x amount of flights every year for 10 years which would add up to x amount of thousands of dollars of business that we've given to you guys nothing you can do for me well a couple of days after that i get a phone call and my caller id says uh, dallas texas i was like oh, i got a, i think i got some customers around dallas maybe it's one of them and I, I answer it and it is the head of baggage i forget his exact title head dude over baggage at Southwest corporate. And he says, this is Mr. Bell. I said, yes. And he goes, I was uh, looking, I was sent your file and your claim. And I was looking at everything. And he says, uh, what really stood out to me was when I saw, I think I had like Turkey pelts or Turkey, something or another on there. And he said, well, I'm a hunter myself. And I know exactly what it would feel like if I went on some of my trips and didn't come back with anything. He says, I can't fully refund, you know, the cost of the birds to your friends or whoever, uh, because I know you know that stuff is thousands of dollars. What I can do is I can issue you the maximum amount uh I can issue for a claim, which was thirty eight hundred dollars. So Southwest sent me thirty-eight hundred dollars <laughs> and I sent it to you know Jacob and Chris. But that was uh that was the end of the ghoul's trip. And even though you know, they lost their birds. They now have a little bit of extra money and uh, a desire and need to go back down there.
1: <laughs> if uh, if you had some advice or, you know, anything for someone you were talking to about going on a trip to Mexico after turkeys, what would you suggest, like questions to ask an outfit or any of that kind of stuff? So one thing that I found out when I got down there, and
0: I don't, I don't want this to sound like I'm talking bad, about Jay Scott and the outfit or anything else they my experience was absolutely excellent I had zero complaints what I didn't know before I got down there was that they use a lot of electronic calls Hmm. and I'm a hard-headed turkey hunter from the southeast and I want to call my own birds and I didn't ask about that before I went Hmm. now would it have deterred me from going no but it just took me by surprise and I feel like it's something that some people should know. It'd be something, if you're really concerned about that, or if it's something you need to know before you go, that's something you may need to ask. Um, uh, everybody else, I mean, they didn't care. They, they're not as deranged as I am, you know, (laughs) when it comes comes to turkeys, but man, ain't nobody calling a turkey for me. I don't got, if I go hunting with Dave Owens one day, I'm gonna call my own turkey. Sorry, Dave. Uh, but uh but it was it was an issue uh the guy did kind of get aggravated with me one morning because it was my turn up to bat uh and we had set up it wasn't my turn yet uh I think it was Jacob's turn and then it was my turn well we called in a bird for Jacob that morning um with the electronic caller Jacob killed his bird and I think there were other birds gobbling and the guy told me to get ready and get on the gun. I said, I'm not shooting a bird over your little karaoke machine turkey collar over there. And I think he got a little pissed at me. <laughs> <laughs> <A> karaoke machine. <laughs> and he kind of rolled his eyes and he was like, well, that thing's a better collar than you. I said, I know, but I ain't shooting a bird over that thing. Uh, we did have decoys. You know, I was uh, I was uh, originally going to try to just kill one without decoys. I was planning on, I was fine with being the last guy up. Yeah. And spend a couple days working for a bird. Uh, but we ended up having like tire issues and we had some vehicle issues, uh, which wasn't the fault of anybody, but we basically had to, we needed to get things done and get out of there. So dude could get his tires fixed because we had patched on this one tire all day long. I think it was made out of uh, patch patches by the end of the day, but yeah, just stuff like that. Um, I did end up killing a bird uh, without the, without the radio. Uh, was the only one on the trip called my own Turkey. Thank you very much. Nice. Um, but yeah, just something, just stuff like that, because they just, those guys and his guides, uh, were like from, I forget, I think, uh, our guide was Nate, Nate, Nate Diamond. He was awesome. Excellent dude. Um, they, he was from Denver, I want to say, or Colorado. And I think a couple of their other guys are from Western States and those guys just don't think about turkeys. Like we think about turkeys. Yeah, you know, so another thing, too, was that um, they book hunts um, back to back, not at the same ranch. So Nate had us from, I want to say, from like Tuesday to Saturday. And Saturday afternoon, he was supposed to pick up the next group of guys and go to another ranch and go hunt for X amount of days. Mm -hmm. So what that kind of did was made them in a rush the quicker they could get us all tagged out the more time they had to prepare for the next group which is understandable yeah but if you're wanting to go down there and just hang out and work for a bird you know kind of like i was really wanting to you may may ask about that you know before you go it and like i said it's it's i'm not talking bad about jay or the operation or anything it's just the way they will way they operate they're trying to get people in there they want people to kill birds and they want to get ready for the next group um so just a couple of things like that to keep in mind
1: so on a trip like that for me i'm i'm sitting here thinking okay i'm going to mexico which is not the safest country you've already told me man i felt completely safe you've told me hey they've got plenty of birds right like they know what they're mm-hmm. doing although it's not right. necessarily how we would want to do it on a trip like that where i think like the um the conditions are a little bit different. I'd probably be like, perfect. Like if I got ready to book uh, to Mexico, absolutely. Jay Scott, that's the guy I'm going to go mm-hmm. to just because of everything we've talked about tonight. Mm-hmm. And then in the past, it's like, I've kind of already got my mind made up. Hey, Jay's probably my guy, unless something you know, were to change in the outfitting world where I met someone. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think those things are important. Now you said Tuesday through Saturday. So was that a four day hunt or five day hunt and with travel we, and all that stuff? So we crossed the border tuesday morning
0: and started hunting when we got there okay Uh, i I think i think nate had asked us you know kind of what we wanted to do if we want to just hang out rest or whatever and we're like no (laughs) (laughs) we ain't here to rest we're here to hunt you know (laughs) but uh, we ended up killing i think like two birds that afternoon um they had a tremendous amount of birds nice and they acted like I mean, I am, I would be very confident in saying that many of these birds had never seen a human being in their entire life because, I mean, we saw nobody at this ranch. There were, I saw two other people on the ranch. One was a, uh, an older lady, a uh, Mexican lady, or I don't know her real name. Uh, everybody called her cookie. She didn't speak a lick of English, but by God, cookie made the best food, Mexican food I've ever had in my life. She made homemade tortillas all day every day daylight to dark we had a pile of tortillas at every meal um so we saw her and i think there was another older ranch hand that was kind of floating around there but yeah there was nobody else and yeah it was the probably the least pressured place i would ever been to in my life that's impressive yeah it it was it was incredible like the birds I mean, just imagine just imagine a turkey that's never seen somebody and never heard a turkey call. And the thing about their electronic calls were they were recordings of actual turkeys. It wasn't like uh, not a dig at Primo's, but it wasn't a, a Primo's call, you know, on a box, yeah. uh, you know, blasting, blasting out there. It was actual turkeys. So, I mean, these people had never heard an actual turkey call.
1: It was wild. So have you ever done uh, a self-guided hunt? Obviously you went full guided. Have you ever done like the, the self, the semi-guided where it's just, they drop you off and say, Hey, go to it, have at it.
0: That wasn't an option for Jay at that time. I -hmm. think he actually does that now. He may have started that this year. The thing about that was you still had to provide your own transportation. Mm -hmm. So you had to, if you uh, if you had to drive down there, you also had to have like an ATV or side by side to get a, around those Oh, so roads.
1: That was an option there, though. You could have done that.
0: I don't think we could. We couldn't have last oh. year. Okay. I think he started that this year.
1: Mm.
0: Um, because I just I just uh, saw him post about it, or uh, I've heard him talk about it here recently somewhere. But it wasn't an option in 2022. Now I would do that. Looking back, I would do that absolutely. Uh, I'd have to just borrow a side-by-side or something like that, you know, to take down there. But I, the thing about that, too, is, you know, all the paperwork that's needed to take your own vehicle down there, to take your own guns down there, there would be a lot more headache, I think, to do that. As far as, like, getting into uh, Mexico. And once you get down in there, I mean, yeah, that would be the best thing ever. Just camping out. I think they would still provide you like a ranch house, uh, yeah. but provide your own food. Uh they would just you're just basically at, at some extent you're paying a trespass fee in Mexico. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there I mean, there's a lot of different ways I guess turkey hunting outfitters do it, right? Like some mm-hmm. will do like the Mexico experience, maybe not electronic calls, but you may go on an osceola hunt and a guide takes you. He wants to do all the calling. He wants to do all the maneuvering, the setup. So Mm. for me, like, eh, I probably don't want to do all that, but like in a place like Mexico, we're talking about, Hey, you know what? That's almost my, that's their, the way they have to do it. But if I was thinking about going back to Texas, I would want to go like I did on this Texas trip and just ask, Hey, when I get there, are you going to release me out into the wild? You know, are you going to feed me? Are you going to clothe me? But uh, not clothe me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say provide a place to sleep. Do I need a tent? Whatever. <laughs> if they're providing me with my camo, that's a that's a different story. There you uh, go. But I do I did like the aspect of just being dropped off because I've done both. I did a a guided hunt to where um, a guide was with me, not necessarily having to call, but he's with you the entire time just to make sure mm-hmm. you stay on property lines and things like that. And this one was just like I got there and I said, Hey, man, tell me where my boundaries are. And he said, You're not going to walk outside your boundaries. You're good. Um, We're going to drop you off and you go find the turkeys (laughs) and you do your thing. So I really, really enjoyed that experience. And so as I think about this and, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are just public land guys. Uh, Some of them have private land, but it's a lease and it's got a ton of pressure. And most of them are probably thinking, I don't know if I ever really want to do an outfitted hunt because it's probably not as extreme or it's maybe not as difficult. Bull crap, dude. I've only been on two, (laughs) two outfitted uh, turkey hunts um last week I was literally the only guy that killed in camp and that was just and that's just because like the abundance of turkeys just weren't there right like it wasn't like we got there and there's 30 different gobblers going off Mm -hmm. um it was a tough tough hunt and we had some turkey hunters on that hunt and it just it didn't unfold for everybody thankfully like I got on the right gobbler at the right time that acted just like a Rio wanted to come right down the gun barrel put on a show thankful for it um Mm -hmm. but to those that are sitting there out on the fence like if you can find a semi-guided self-guided style of hunt to where you're basically paying that trespassing fee like you talked about Mm -hmm. man that can be a really great experience of just opening up the door to get you into a place that you now have access to. And if they feed you, that's even better. Now, I don't know about yeah. the clothing part, you know,
0: that you never know. I <laughs> some of those guys at least have free t-shirts. Maybe they can give you, uh, <laughs> no, the charge, you. but yeah, the, other, and the semi guided or self-guided is, I don't know. I don't know how much cheaper, but it's gotta be significantly cheaper than a fully guided, you know, outfitted, whatever operation. What do you th- I think? What it, is it? Would a a self-guided be maybe half of a, fully guided trip you think or maybe
1: a little over half i think that's about right from what i've looked at um let me i'll give you one example i you know what i don't know i think it kind of depends on your destination if you go to texas versus oklahoma i think you're going to get two uh, different types of prices because oklahoma it's easier to find public land i think it's Mm -hmm. easier to knock on doors and get permission Texas, man, that state is just locked up tight. There's not a ton of public land. If you look on Onyx and you look at, you know, the private land blocks, it's huge freaking ranches. It's huge ranch after huge ranch. And you're not getting on those ranches unless you go through an outfitter because that's part of their revenue within that ranch. Um, So from that, you know, that experience, I think that one probably was more expensive just because of the locale. Florida is going to be the same. Everybody's trying to get to Florida, killing Osceola. There's only so much land to go around, so many Osceolas. That's another tough one. So Mm -hmm. I've knocked my two hard ones out of the way, except for Mexico, which that's like (laughs) maybe last on my list. I just don't know yet. I think Mexico,
0: it is is fun. I had a very, very good time. But you're going to have to really accept the fact that when you go down there on a fully guided hunt, I mean, you're just you're going to be there to kill a turkey and probably really get out of there. Um, I don't want to say that the hunting wasn't fun, but I think that the, the hunts that I've had here in the East and some of the other ones that we've had out West, they were more of that type two fun that we talk about. Yeah. It was, the memories are just, it's a different kind of memory, you know. And it's, it's a little more rewarding, you know. We've talked about that, uh, to go out on your own, find turkeys on your own, and be successful versus going out to Mexico and having a guy all but hold your hand across the border into Mexico and point you in the right direction and, you know, get you on turkeys, knows exactly where to go, and everything like that. But I, will I ever go back to Mexico? I might one day i just i mean that's not in the cards that's not in the cards again for a while at least anyway i got plenty of other things i want to do up here um but uh yeah it was it was fun and i recommend it to anybody and like i said you have at least two years to save up three grand yeah which
1: that's an affordable unless,
0: hunt unless you're in pretty bad financial shape i think it's yeah. very doable very very doable
1: absolutely let me ask you this would you do hawaii outfitter or would you go public land
0: it's funny you mention that because i have got my wife sold on going to hawaii for at least a week yep. for vacation slash turkey hunting. she has accepted the fact that i would be her turkey hunting until i killed a or two turkeys or however many turkeys i can kill out there uh hey, so long two. as we yeah so long as we you know went with somebody else uh either somebody else with kids or somebody else that's willing to hang out with her and kids uh just so she's not stomping around hawaii by herself with two kids so but i don't know i mean i i would probably go i'd probably just go diy you know, i think i'm confident enough that i can do enough homework to at least five these and get in amongst a turkey somewhere out there so now make now I may say that and maybe at the end of day three when I couldn't hardly tell you what a turkey looked like anymore, I may have to go find somebody to let me go shoot one.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've heard it was crowded as all get out this year too. I mean, I That's... don't know how true that was, but I, I heard it was very, very crowded on public. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It uh I'm interested in what comes out of that. You know, if they start doing something their regulations like Nebraska they put a cap on their non-resident
1: tags yeah Hawaii may do the same we'll see I mean a lot we've talked about before a lot of these states are having to start capping and looking at how many non-residents are coming in I mean this is like a new phenomenon with Mm -hmm. the onslaught of non-resident turkey hunters going to these states it's just something they're not used to And, and turkey hunting is much different than deer hunting it's not like you're just stationary These guys are on the move, and there can be dangerous situations. So, I mean, states are doing the right thing looking at it. But I think I'm going to do public for Hawaii too. By the way, like yeah, that for sure. Um, And I've talked my wife into it as well. Now we haven't got into the deep details (laughs) of, (laughs) but uh, she knows like turkey hunting and hunt not a honeymoon anniversary. So we're working on our 20 year coming up, and that's, uh, that's what we're thinking about.
0: There you go. Yeah, it. My wife knows that I absolutely hate the beach. I have no desire to be on a beach, near a beach. I don't care to even look at pictures of a beach. But her and the kids might like she likes beach, yeah. uh unless it's like scalding hot. But yeah, she's totally fine with just turning me loose and <laughs> to go play, you know, while they play on the beach. But the pressure you were talking about, that may be another incentive to get on a outfitted hunt. Like if these if these uh if these places are getting so swamped on public land maybe you don't want to fight that, you know, maybe you want to have a more enjoyable hunt. And, uh, we were talking on the Patreon group just today. Um, we're kind of talking about different regulations and WMA or public land regulations and private land regulations. And it got to talking about, you know, hunt quality or, yeah. I think it's, I think it's what we ended up talking about. Like, where does hunt quality come into play as far as regulations go and keeping the pressure down on public land? So if if you're thinking about going to a state and their public land gets hammered, especially the first handful of weeks of the season, and maybe that is is the best time to go hunt. Maybe that's the best time of season where goblin is peak or just whatever else. And if you don't want to fight that, maybe it's worth it
1: going with an outfitter. Yeah. Hawaii might be tough. The ones I've looked at, I think they are booked out at least one year. That may yeah. become kind of like a Jake Scott scenario where you need to put a deposit down and you got a little mm-hmm. bit of a wait time. So something to think about.
0: Well, you know, and again, you know, if it's booked out at least a year, that gives you more time to save money. Just squirrel away a little bit more money, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think too. You know, if I was thinking just a little bit ago about a Miriam's guided hunt, my experience with Miriam's is that they're so they're in like pockets, from what Mm. I found out there, and from what I've heard other guys say. My only fear for that would be they're either on your ranch or they're not, you know, they could, yeah. it could be a situation where they just spend a few days off that ranch. They could be the few days that you're there. Um, and I don't really know how you would determine that before you go. So that may be something tricky. Uh, and Rio's too, maybe, and maybe,
1: maybe what happened with the, uh, with your trip, maybe just moved off for a handful of days. And you, you just never know. I, we had, I think our second day, I'm not sure. I think only one group out of the three uh, groups that were there heard gobbling that second morning. And then that third morning, I'm pretty sure we all heard multiple turkeys. Like I I heard like three turkeys that day. So um, Mm -hmm. like you said, man, they could be there one minute and gone the next.
0: Yeah. It's uh, I guess you'd probably just have to do your homework um, and ask them. And I would hope that if they're a, an outfitter with integrity that they would tell you, Hey, sometimes they're here. Sometimes they're not, you know, here's the gist of it. uh, uh I didn't go on, this isn't a turkey hunt, but I, when I got drawn for sandhill cranes, mm-hmm. uh, a couple times here in Tennessee over the last handful of years, the first time I got drawn, I went with double H outfitters out in East Tennessee and, uh, we ended up having to reschedule that. I don't know how many times we rescheduled it that winter because there weren't any birds, but the outfitter called me, and said hey we don't have any birds yet i don't want you to even i would highly recommend that we reschedule here's the dates i have open you know i didn't have to pay a deposit i didn't it was a day trip so i think it was like 200 bucks a gun um to go down there and uh i so when we finally got to go we limited out there was a a three-man limit so six birds and we killed that in 45 minutes after daylight so that was fun and the second time i got drawn it was the same thing uh, to where we kept having to reschedule, reschedule. And it got late enough in the season. The, the, it was, I think the lady was named uh, Nikki at uh double H. She was like, look, I'm not confident enough. I, I would hate for you to show up here and not fire a shot. And that's really what it's looking like. It's going to happen. So she said, Hey, try to get a draw again next year and we hope to see you back. So <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't have that much experience with outfitters to know how many of those out there are honest. That honest, yeah, as in honest enough to tell you not to even come, or if they're like, "Hey, I don't know if they'll blow smoke up your hind end or what." I, I honestly don't know.
1: Well, next week, I think we got a, a pretty interesting episode scheduled and I'll keep it uh, the on the DL on who we're bringing on. But we want to bring on someone uh, to talk about the actual questions to ask an outfitter. So today is kind of like that primer. Hey, we're talking about our experiences, what's happened, but really bringing on someone from the firearms industry that schedules multiple hunts every year. Uh, has been on good hunts and has been on bad hunts and knows those mm-hmm. very specific questions to ask an outfitter. So I think that'll be a really good one to just help, you know, listeners, us uh figure out their right questions to ask and to make it as successful as, as much, as, as much control as you can over the trip. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and another thing too,
0: you know, if uh like, say if you got a kid or something and you want to go out of state, like, man, how, how much more fun I think would that be? If you and your kid went on someplace with a lodge and or some kind of accommodations with a higher success rate versus okay. going out to public land, having to get up at 2 30 in the morning and be at the gate and encounter Florida man like Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. And that whole experience for a young or a new hunter, like man, i would you know, sign me up for a higher success rate in a comfy bed versus a sleeping in the truck at a sketchy boat ramp.
1: Yeah, man. I think I was waking up at like five thirty this past week. <laughs> I was in the woods by six fifteen, had a little daylight, man. it still wasn't daylight yet. And then yeah. ten minutes later they're, they're gobbling. I'm like, all right, this ain't bad. That this ain't, ain't bad. At all.
0: And uh, one of the first I think it was the yeah, one of the first uh it was no, it was the first Western hunt I ever went on was for antelope, uh out in Wyoming. I forget what year it was, but anyway our guide there and I'm I'm still in contact with that guy he's uh since changed jobs or whatever but we've stayed pretty good friends and and I've hunted with him out there a couple more times since then just you know on public land or whatever out there but anyway he was like yeah these antelope are good hangover hunts because they hang out all day you can get up at nine o'clock in the morning and hunt them if you really want to but it was the same thing you know we I mean we got up at daylight but it wasn't that early you know you're not having to fight for a spot it's you can sit there drinking coffee and BS with dudes or whoever they're in camp and then go out hunting. It's just more, it's so much more relaxing. Like if you want to go on a relaxing hunting trip, you probably can go with the outfitter because when the Jacob and I go hunting, we don't relax. <laughs> I mean, we're, you're hunting daylight till dark and uh, you're eating roller food at the gas station, uh, probably camping. Uh, so it's, uh, it's that type two fun
1: you know, like we were talking about. It is a little bit more, uh, memorable. That is for dog, oh, yeah. sure the type two fun is.
0: Oh yeah. Most of my memories are from stuff like that and not so much the guided hunts, but still the guided hunts were a very good experience, especially that one Western, that, uh, antelope hunt I went on. Yeah. Dip my toes in that way. Um, and then I've been out West a few times since then. Uh, it's a good gateway. You know, just like I said before, if you don't have the experience, um, you don't really have the time to you know devote to a full week or something like that to really cut your teeth and accept the fact that you could probably walk away with nothing after that week. Then you probably need to go with an outfitter and you'll learn stuff. I mean, I learned a lot just on the handful of days I went antelope hunting. I learned quite a bit on the, the Gould's trip, you know, turkey hunting. So you'll still learn something.
1: On an outfitter absolutely and uh don't be afraid to ask those questions when you get there like that that night that we got there you know the, the very first night the morning before or the night before we go in that first morning they're pointing hey this is where you're going this is where you know we've seen turkeys roosting but getting in there deep and saying hey let's let's hang on a second let's talk about the habitat we're in a place like texas there are only so many roost trees Tell me exactly where those roost trees are here, here, and here. Okay. Yeah. Well, just because they may roost here doesn't mean they might not be here and here. And if I hear them go- I gobble in that direction, I know exactly where I need to beeline towards. So just mm-hmm. thinking about those types of questions, um, the, the night before, basically, when you get there and looking over maps is, is having those types of questions, too, and uh, something to think about.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's There's so many questions that you won't think of. Oh, yeah. until you get there well it was just like with the uh with the electronic calls and you know I and I but i did ask jay before you know hey can i call my own birds he's yeah you can call your own birds but before he said that he said he asked how good i could call <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah what are you talking about here i gotta you know, gotta win a contest or whatever to, to call my own birds down there or what but uh i think uh, he was kind of joking because those woodhaven guys go down there all those guys can call turkeys, you know, you you got Billy Argus and those guys. Um, But yeah, just, uh, just, I mean, anything you can think of, there are no, there really are no dumb questions because you don't know. I mean, if, especially if you've never been to that area, I mean, what do you really know? And how
1: would you know, unless you ask? So I'd also say, don't be offended if the outfitter asks you some, what you think might be dumb questions. Like how, how often do you like handle a firearm? Right because they're trying to figure out safety concerns with their guides when you're riding in and out is you know Mm -hmm. you have your gun unloaded is it on safe, things of that nature uh they need to ask and just i'd say be respectful and don't pop back off
0: yeah i mean they they don't know you from adam most of the time no offense or no pun intended (laughs) uh (laughs) but uh because they have got they have all walks of life that come through there they have kids they have ladies they have dudes they have experienced people they have people that have never hunted before, yep. like, uh, like your guy. And they just have to know how to plan or how to, what to expect because, you know, the easier you can make their job, you know, the the more fun that everybody's going to have, I think.
1: So one thing, uh, we are going to have a follow-up podcast to this one. We're bringing in a guest next week. He's going to really go through some of those specific questions to ask an outfitter before guiding the hunt. If you have, as a listener, a question that you would like to see us ask, hit us up on Instagram, Southern Ground Hunting. I think that's the Instagram handle, right? Just private yep. messages on, at Southern Ground Hunting, and yep. we'll absolutely look at that question, vet it, and if it's, a, if it's a good one, we'll put it on the show.
0: Yeah, I may actually message the page myself because there's always something that I forget oh, yeah. uh, until after the fact. Uh but I'm I'm one of those guys you almost have to drag information out of me because my memory is so poor I can't just I can't just draw it out of the file you have to kind of hold my hand and kind of drag it out of me but uh yeah it's going outfitted hunts a lot of fun if uh if you got the if you got the money and you got the lack of time lack of experience and you want a more relaxing hunt an outfitter is certainly the way to go in in many cases
1: Absolutely. Well, I know over the next few weeks, we also have a few tactical type discussions. We've got some early season uh, and mid season discussions coming up. So again, if uh, you're out there listening and you want to hear some very specific type of topics or even specific guests that you would like to see us bring on, uh, shoot us over uh, suggestions. I'd love it to hear some originality as far as guests are concerned. Yeah. i talk about it i know in our groups we talk about it all the times like oh another x person is on the same another podcast talking about the same topic mm-hmm. It's like, man just uh we'd love to see some new fresh blood so if there's any suggestions out there for potential good guests uh we'd love to hear them and, and bring them to us
0: absolutely we could all learn something from anybody that's a good thing about turkey hunting oh, i'll gosh. probably learn something this weekend when when you and uh your boys come come out and kill some turkeys i hope we got some good turkey stories to tell next week oh gosh that'll be great i look forward to it
1: anything we missed tonight
0: i'm sure there is that i'll think about as soon as we hang up but uh i honestly can't think of anything off the top of my head i think we covered it pretty good from where to where to consider to go or where do you think you probably need to go for an outfitter probably a ballpark price what to expect on a couple places uh what to expect and you know hunting terrain or or hunting experience. So we covered a lot.
1: Absolutely. I wouldn't be ashamed to go. I guarantee you I'll do more guided hunts in the future.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh it's it's uh there's gonna be there's gonna be one coming up sometime or another and I'll uh jump right on board to go.
1: All right. Well we'll catch up again next week.
0: Yep. Thank you guys for tuning in. Good luck this weekend if you turkey hunting. Uh if you do tag us tag us in something so we can see it I for sure love seeing pictures of dead turkeys and smiling faces so you know, yeah, that's <laughs> another thing too I, yeah. real quick you know yeah. a, like a five second rant I can't stand when people like don't smile in their hunting pictures yeah like like what that bird do to you like are you just mad that you killed that thing smile you worked hard for that thing supposedly uh, but yeah I smile <laughs> in all my pictures and I it just I don't know. It's pet peeve.
1: Somebody don't smile. They got a turkey there. I noticed that it with a guy in high school. Man, he always looked like he just beat something up or got yeah. beat up. And I was like, at that moment in my life, I was like, man, this is a really like a thrilling, fun moment. Show <laughs> just you know, just be yourself. You ain't got to be somebody you're not in this stinking picture. God, it's annoying.
0: Yeah, don't be mean mugging the camera. It's like a mug shot. Like all. Oh. I have to be here. I had to kill this turkey. I'd much rather be at home with my wife or mowing the yard. Golly, people smile. Turkeys hate me. Yeah, turkeys <laughs> hate me, and I hate them too. But, all right, y'all. Good luck. Appreciate you hanging out. We'll catch you next week, and uh, good luck this weekend.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods, as the wild turkey we'll talk to you guys
0: next week